if anything, you can think of yourself as the universe optimizing its opportunity by learning, by creating individuals who will then go and learn even more. And so this is why we even have that concept is because we are literally a positive force just trying to seek more positive energy and more positive knowledge for the sake of returning it back to the single mind. This is our job as a being is to be. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously? And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. And hey, I might even read your review on a future episode. Here's another five-star review from It's Jessica Ann. Patrick Cook and his guests bring dynamic discussions and a high-level perspective to this human experience we call life. Patrick embodies what it means to be human and doesn't shy away from the more uncomfortable discussions that are much needed today. Being beams with brilliance that will light up the world. This is a must listen. Bravo, Patrick. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. This week's guest is Daniel Jonathan. By trade, Daniel is a software engineer that has architected real-time machine learning platforms that get billions of hits per day. He has also founded world-class open source technologies in animation and user interactivity. Daniel's passion for developing technology began at an early age alongside his passion for understanding the universe and our cosmic relationship towards it. His technological solutions are based on how he perceives the structure of the universe and its magic. Even more fascinating is Daniel's work with Dr. Stephen Greer, founder of CSETI, which is the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and the Disclosure Project, which seeks the disclosure of classified secret UFO information. As the project's chief videographer, Daniel has accompanied Dr. Greer on countless missions to remote locations with the intention of communicating with multidimensional beings. 
This episode goes absolutely intergalactic. So fasten your seatbelts and welcome to the show, Daniel Jonathan. Daniel Jonathan, welcome to being. What's up, brother? Ah, just chilling, you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice. So excited, dude. I was thinking when I was preparing for this podcast, uh, like we've lived in the same community for a number of years and I see you often and I consider you one of my friends. Like I see you in the water, your, your smile, your energy is so infectious, you know? Um, and we, and we've dropped in a couple of times and every time we have dropped in, it's been super informative and deep and enjoyable. And I was like, but I realize I, there's a lot I don't know about you. And so mm-hmm. like, this is so exciting that we're doing it here live on air and we're going to share all of your beautiful wisdom and the magic that comes up between us with the audience. So this is really exciting. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so I just, I just want to start at the beginning. Um, you are from Toronto, Canada, as am I. Yeah, from Toronto, uh, born 1983. <laughs> That's the most <laughs> beginning it's going to get. <laughs> Awesome. And so your trajectory in business has seen you uh, develop as a software engineer. That's correct? Yeah. Actually, uh, my first company was at 17. I'm now uh, 37. Um, I grew up with computers. My dad was an engineer. So my first toy was a computer. I would be one years old walking through the computer towers, throwing screws in the little holes um, that you would connect everything. And then at 17, I decided that uh, I really can't work for anyone because (laughs) I just don't like the idea of being told what to do. So I started a company at 17 and and ever since then, it's just been a wonderful uh, ride in the software industry uh, world. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So your your bio, which is how I realized there's very, (laughs) I didn't know that much about you. It says uh, you've architected real-time machines for learning platforms, AI, I guess those would be. And then you model your solutions based on their, your perceptions of the structure of the universe and its magic. I'm just like, what? Dude, that sounds, <laughs> yeah. that sounds amazing. What, yeah. what does that even mean? Walk us uh, through that, will you? Uh, all right, cool. So uh, one time I had this job. Um, I was working for a marketing company and they hired me. Uh, a few months go by and I realized that I'm really not doing anything for this business. I'm kind of just there. So I go to the VP, Michael Fallon, I'm, uh, I'm like, you know, maybe you can give me a review of some sort. Like, what am I, how am I doing? He goes, honestly, I just love coming in here and seeing how much you love to work. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> not bad, but what's the job security on that? So <laughs> anyway, um, the next week they announced that they're going to, uh, uh, there's a bigger parent marketing company that's going to acquire this one. And I'm like, oh man. How in the world am I going to keep my job? They're going to ask me what I do and I'm going to lose my job. So <laughs> anyways, the first month they come in, I avoid them. And I'm like, uh, you know, sick that day, just trying to get some runway and figure out things I'm going to do. Anyways, second month they come and they're like, we, who, who should we take out of this whole company? That's what everyone is asking. And everyone is saying, Daniel, you take Daniel. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't do anything. Like to be pro- to yeah. be promoted, you mean? Like, if you buy this company and you're going to, you know, downsize the team, do not uh, lose this guy. Do not take this guy. Right. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So I'm like, all right, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, I'm trying to be like inconspicuous here, and you guys are uh, like literally putting me in the forefront. So Mike Fowl comes up to me and goes, "Daniel, they want to see you now." And I'm like, "All oh, right, okay. Well, um, what should I tell them? I do tell them you want to build a recommendation engine." <laughs> and I'm like, okay. 
So I go over, I go into the office. I'm like thinking, man, I don't even know what a recommendation engine is. I dropped out of university. (laughs) I'm like, what is a recommendation? This is like, you know, like 12 years ago before there was any sort of idea of recommending you videos, only Amazon and Netflix, whatever, Facebook, whatever, be doing these kind of things. Right. And um, so anyway, um, I walk in, I open up the door, this guy, Dave Tosilo, and uh, their head of engineering, he was the head of operations at the time, now owner of the company. First thing he says to me is, we're disappointed in you. And I'm like, what do you mean disappointed in me? He goes, well, we heard you don't want to come to Montreal and work with us. And I'm like, no, no, it's not that I don't want to work with you. I just don't know what you'd want me to do because I don't really know what I do here. And so he said, okay, sit down, sit down, sit down. And I go, okay, I sit down. He goes, what do you want to do? I said, I want to build a recommendation engine. He goes, really? And I say, yeah. He goes, well, how do you think that would work? Instantaneously, I get this vision. Anytime you ask me something, visions in my mind appear. So instantaneously, I get this vision of a stream of water where there's all of this information flowing. And how does a stream of water work, really? So you have all this information flowing, this stuff in the water, and then a bear who's interested in the fish will take what they want. And the fisherman who's interested in what they want will take what they want. And the rock will capture some of the materials as it's flowing in the stream. And when it's done, it will just fall off a cliff or go into a river or something. So I said, what if we built a system that just streamed information and as we want, we have these subscribers, we have these interested parties that are just going to take what they want and whatever we don't need, just goodbye, go gone. You know, we don't need it anymore. He goes, oh, wow, very interesting. He goes, okay, go back to doing whatever you were doing. And in three months, we're going to uh, invite you out to Montreal and talk about an opportunity. I'm like, okay. Um, so I walk outside, I'm like, go back to doing what I'm doing. I keep telling everyone I don't do anything and I keep getting promotions. <laughs> for telling me um, anyways, fast track. I end up, uh, three months later in a meeting where, um, we're sitting with a bunch of people and they're trying to build this recommendation engine and they have all these complaints. I'm three hours not saying a word, pretty much just listening. And then they all turn around and ask me what I think. And I said, well, it sounds like what you want is the secret sauce from this company, but they don't want to give it to you. And you're going to probably pay $50 million to buy them. So the best thing to do is just start this from scratch and let's let's build out this platform. I get the job right away. I'm now with what I don't know in three months about to get a billion hits a day that are going to come through this platform. And they say to me, no one has been able to make this work. Everyone is always struggling. And I said, well, the issue is you're trying to store all your information when really we need to think about moving your information. That's Mm. the challenge. And so looking at a stream of water, looking at the model of how water moves, always just allowing itself to flow and the interested parties taking from it, actually became the design and worked except for one little hiccup that lasted five seconds and literally fixed and i went from my test case of 30 million hits to a billion hits within three weeks from launching um, that product after about three to six months Um, so that was one uh, uh, scenario of where basically just being observant of the solutions we have all around us um, we can take into our lives and just replicate it. We don't, we don't need mm. to really invent anything, actually. Uh, we just totally. need to just use what's given and right in front of us, which is going to be a lot about what I talk about. So Absolutely. That's amazing, dude. And I think 
you know, man in general, we've removed ourselves from nature, like the symbiotic yeah. relationship with nature and placed ourselves above it and trying to find our own answers when, wait a minute, all the answers are right here. Like I was reading exactly. about, you know, viruses, like mother nature will provide the solution, the medicine for whatever the problem is, like if we're paying attention. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's beautiful. I wanted to ask you what you said about having the visual download about water. That is remarkable to me. Is that something like you just, you're a visual learner or yeah. is it you're having a download from somewhere else? Um, like, I, I, I think it's actually both because I love reading and learning and I love observing mm. and learning. Um, mm. But I'll give you an example. When I was uh, four years old, I, I was living in this house and I would ask my brother and sister to come downstairs and I'd be like, how do you get to the end of the hallway to the door really quickly? What's the fastest way? And they would be like, oh, you just run at it. And I would, you know, to, to confuse them, I would put a few things in the hallway. And um, so I put a few things and they would be like, you just run at it and dodge and then you touch the door. And I'm like, no, just touch the ground and the ground is touching the door frame and therefore you're there. Ooh. You don't even need to move. And Ooh. so for me, I have this visual acuity that just allows me to see things. So when I was in university and I would get these three-hour math exams, I would literally write them in 25 minutes to 30 minutes because I would just read the question and on the page, there would almost be like an outline of the answer and all I need to do is color it in. And, wow. and so, so I would be like, am I cheating right now? Because like, I don't, am I like, is, is this not allowed? And I would walk out and the teacher would be like, uh, you know, you just like 25 minutes went by. What are you doing? I'm like, don't worry. I got 98. And they're like, how do you know you got 98? I'm like, cause I know what I didn't an answer. <laughs> and so I'm, wow. and, and that was it. And, uh, yeah. So, so have you been able to sort of I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking about it, but define that talent. Like that's not a common thing for be people to be able to visualize solutions as clearly as you do. Is it clairsentience? Is it what, what can you define it? You know, um, without giving it a term, because sometimes I think boxing things in a term is what mm. gets us from losing that kind of ability. The truth is, uh, and I said this today, just before I was telling someone, I'm comfortable in the uncomfortable and uncomfortable mm. in the comfortable. So for oh. me, the more I don't know, the more my awareness must kick in. It must become present for me to create the scenario of where I'm going to move forward in this situation. And so if I over-prepare, I will start blinding myself to what I think the solution must be because it fits within the model that I've conditioned myself. So from Oof. a, does that, that's. Oh my the, God. I love this. I love this. I love this. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, well, <laughs> um, so I was, I was known, uh, from a very young age, like, um, people would always tell me, I understand, I understand. And, and, and I would ask a lot of questions, never hesitating or making assumptions because it's very difficult to operate with assumptions. It's much easier to operate with the truth. So you know, let's just say I didn't know something about you. It's much easier just to say, hey, you know, I'm just going to double check. Please don't be offended. I just need to know this one thing. Like, I don't care how much, how many years I have of experience. I just forgot what that is, you know? And this yeah. is where Google is amazing. You can just type in anything you want and, and results start appearing. But when we do it to each other, we, we tend to build this limitation, this restriction, this idea that I am no longer 
great if I'm asking you for help. So then we mm. don't do that. But I actually think it's great when you're surrounded by people who can help you. So the part of conditioning your mind to be able to open up is to surround yourself in safe places where you can be uncomfortable. And mm. from there, building, building that function, basically. Dude, you, you just perfectly described what, for me, transformation is. And I'm basically a transformational coach. And that's exactly what it's all about. Creating awesome. containers for people to feel safe and seen and uh so they're transparent and they they feel safe to be vulnerable right and that's where the real magic is to Mm -hmm. to not be putting on those faces and putting up those appearances like oh i'm this big strong x y and z it's like no like who are you and let's let's allow yourself for that to come through in its trust in its uh, its earnestness right Mm -hmm. exactly Ah, it's beautiful so you described earlier about um being in the unknown and this, yeah. this for me is, is everything because, you know, for me, one mind cannot con- conceptualize the complexity of the universe, okay. right? And, and it's actually a sign of intelligence for, for us to recognize how much we don't know. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I, like you, am a voracious learner. Like I love reading. I love consuming energy. I'm a seeker, uh, information, I should say. And, but the more I learn, the more I recognize I don't know. And then mm-hmm. so the, the. The scope, uh, the the pace is at, at which I can learn is <laughs> is slower than the the pace of what's expanding in front of me of the unknown, and then beyond that is the unknown unknowns that I don't even know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know exactly <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> a lot of knowledge in there. A lot of knowledge. Yeah. So, yeah. but that doesn't mean you should stop learning because you know if you look at it from one perspective, it's like, well, what the hell? Like, I'm never going to know anything. I'm never going to know the fundamental nature of the universe. Why should I try it all? I might as well just go get drunk on the beach, right? And I sure. did that for a long time. I'm like, fuck it, you know, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, there is value in in developing yourself and learning and growing and then in communication in collaboration with others this is what i'm really passionate about is collective intelligence yeah like what can we do if we do heal our shit and we get to a point where we are a clear vessel and we're contributing to a collective that's all working together kind of like the cells in your body right and yeah. kind of like what computers do on a some level yeah does that resonate for you oh 100 percent. and uh i i can speak to a few points there that Please do. Uh, how I think about that. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I find a lot of people when they enjoy something are somewhat in a rush to complete it. So you say, mm. oh, as I learn more, there is this, oh my God, I'm learning how much I don't know. So that yeah. sounded like a downfall where to me, I'm like, wait a second, that just means there's so much more to enjoy. So, totally. Right. And so why be in a rush to learn everything. If anything, I'm more of the type of person who gets to a point and purposely pushes it further to allow myself to obtain more between what I thought I was when I was there at completion to create Mm. more room for more refinement. And so what's interesting, you talk about this collective. um, There's, there's two kinds of experiences I think that people have in life. There is the one who sits in the Ferrari and drives really fast and has no idea how the engine works. And then there's a person who's only working on the engine, but never sits behind the wheel and actually takes the car for a spin. So I think when we find ourselves to be one or the other, it's, it's our goal to actually become the other so that this way we can start making sense of it. 
Um, so mm-hmm. in the experiences and the stories I'm going to share with you about out in the desert and things that happened, I was basically in the Ferrari and getting this mind-boggling experience to then I started to seek the knowledge of what exactly happened. And um, I fell upon a group of people uh, called the Gnostics, where they uh, understood that Gnosis was the way to share information. And, And Gnosis is basically through experience, you develop a knowing. And then I will share with you my knowing and I'll share with you my experience. And then you'll return yours to mine. And then we know that I can never have the exact experience that you have, and you can't have mm. the exact experience that I have. But collectively, we can develop a stronger foundation because mm. we're, we're taking our individual uh, uh, interpretations of what is going on and sharing it with each other. Um, How do you do that, though? How, how do you share an embodied experience, like a, a first-person subjective experience? How do you share that with somebody else? Well, first, you tell it from what you were feeling, from what mm. you what what uh, information had come. You be honest about it. You allow yourself mm. to not know everything and just mm. really say what is. And what's interesting, so we talked about Dr. Greer, and we'll get there. Quick little blimp into that kind of experience. The ETs and the beings, and ET, by the way, I'm just going to clarify it now, is a blanket statement for all types of beings, which is the family um, that we fall in as a being. So there's celestial beings, God avatar beings, uh, extraterrestrial beings, um, God conscious beings, uh, human beings. There's all of these different types of beings. So fundamentally, like felines and and the canines, we have an underlying foundation of technology that is given to us to thrive in our given environment. And then from there, it's all about our unique development. So the tiger is bigger than your, your domestic cat. But they both have claws, they both have sharp teeth, they both have the desire to hunt and pounce. So how we gauge um, the thriving of environment is, first of all, environment is defined by your awareness of a space. So the, the lion is, is very aware of all of its space and it has the tools, the smell, the claws, the strength, the, the pack, all to thrive. Uh, ants have so much space in their given environment and they have the tools. They're very small so they can lift heavy things and they can carry it. They work as a very strong team. This is their advantage. So every species actually thrives to the fullest potential that they can in their given environment, except for humans, because we Mm. are the only ones who are not working together. But let's actually first define our environment. We're aware of space, we're aware of the micro, we're aware of the vastness, and we're given the tools to actually thrive in that. So it's not by accident that you want to meditate and go transcendental and hit this unknown boundary. And it's not by accident that we can create mathematics from the geometry of the sky and and what we have. And it's not by accident that we want to build spaceships and go interplanetary. This is us thriving Um, Now, how do we give our experience is first, like you said, this is a vast topic, our environment, our environment is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger every step we take towards it. So how do we do it first, we trust in ourselves that we have the right to have a unique experience, and that our unique experience is our given right. This is the beauty of the human being is that we have that. 
the second everything has that but we're just going to focus on the human so then i have the right to be able to share with you that experience and and not feel judged so that i can give you the full amount of it see in 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 other religions and such there's always a broker who has said that they can mm. speak to god and tell you what he says not you gatekeeper you're, yeah you're not allowed to know the information actually mm. you can't know the information only i yeah. am allowed to know it and i will give you that so right yeah. away it's like whoa um okay so every time you disagree with me i'm not going to be right and every time yeah. i agree with you somehow it's benefiting you <laughs> you know like uh, yeah. it, that and that's a purposeful structure put in place for control basically a hundred percent and you know yeah. and and even then if if we remove the opinion that that's where control it doesn't matter mm -hmm. that is the structure and yeah. so we, we don't even we don't even have to argue with oh that's a conspiracy theory that they want to do that you know what it's not actually an argument if i agree with it or not it's just that's the actual structure here's a broker yeah. who is telling you on behalf of people or on behalf of god what to think so mm -hmm. you've just removed my ability to have a unique experience and you've thrown me in a bucket and mm -hmm. now that i'm in a bucket i don't mentally develop the the confidence and the the dialogue of my life to tell you about my unique experience so that you can learn um and so this is where I liked uh, the Gnostic point of view, where it's like, look, we right away agree that we all have a connection to the divine. Okay, right away. First thing, mm. we all have it. Second thing is, I want to know what you experienced. It doesn't matter if it's a little or a lot, because who's to say that four ounces can't move four tons if it's used correctly, right? We should not mm. judge on size, especially in a universe that is designed in geometry so that like the reason why we have a geometric universe is because in geometry the value of an equation can be held in the shape at any scale and mm. it will so this way whether you perceive something to be small or something to be large it doesn't matter as long as it has that shape it can hold that value in that equation and so this mm. is why in every part of us we have that knowledge within it and then collectively we have that knowledge there because it is the, it's the design of geometry um mm, fractals it, it, fra well fractals is the reoccurrence of an equation on something this okay. is this is the value being held so if we were to use numbers in our universe well, once we go past 10 digits, okay, let's be honest, five digits. Once we go past five digits, it's really <laughs> hard to remember things. But yeah. if I tell you to remember an equilateral triangle, you can apply that equilateral triangle's value and strengths any way you want. And how much easier is it to remember a shape? And you mm -hmm. know an equilateral triangle has equal sides, equal angles, and, and there you go. So, mm -hmm. But if I tell you that, oh, the key to everything is 48765, you'll be like, oh, well, well, darn, what, what is that again? <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so going back like into the mathematics, I describe it as a visual thing because visual is geometry. It's not, mm. it's not mathematics. It's, I remember the geometry of a solution. I can, I can envision things as a geometric uh, representation rather than um, a finite representation, which is where numbers are stemmed from. And is that something you think all of us are capable of? Is that developable? Oh, well, first of all, you walk into a room, you sit down and you drink your coffee. That's the most insane amount of mathematics being applied right there. I used to do <laughs> game programming and in 3D environment game programming, 
you you literally model your environment of how you perceive the world. This is how we mm-hmm. develop a really strong sense that the game is a realistic experience, right? So here you are in this 3D environment, walking around, calculating your body movement, every single part of it. And then I ask you, it's 10 plus 10. And you're like, oh, I don't know math. And I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? How do you not know math? You're, you're, you're well, a that, math machine. <laughs> but you're, de- you're describing like an unconscious algorithm versus a conscious one, though, right? Well, you, you, you're aware of the mathematics as you're programming it. The guy drinking the cup of coffee doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on. Well, I don't think that they've given themselves and going back to the experience. I don't think they've given themselves the right to be that great. And right. so because they haven't given like when I was a kid, I would I would tell people, oh, we are a moment in the passing time of light. And they would be mm. like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. We have light moving. We know that. We're a moment in it. Doesn't it make sense? There's light flowing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's actually not that crazy. If you stand in front yeah. of this laser and you stand here and you stand there, you're a, you're a moment within that light's movement, right? Like, I allow myself to be playful within my ideas by just saying, hey, I could know this. It's just a matter of me developing an analogy that I can work with. And mm. so people I don't feel are trained to be super confident in themselves. Like, let, let's actually step back for a second and mm. remove everything I just said to you about my opinion and look at the base machine that we are, okay? Let's, Great. okay, we'll step back. When is it the time that we are the base machine that we are? Well, let's go to when you're born. You come out, you're this mushy little thing. You don't really have the muscles to do much and you're not talking, but you just observe. You're just observing. You're watching the environment around you. No one tells you to walk. No one tells you to talk. But you try. You try to walk eventually, and you stink at it. You're, you're the worst walker in the whole house. Everyone else is walking better than you. But one day, you start walking, and you develop that just through observance and, and repetition of what you see. And then you're the fastest person in the world one day. You're no longer the worst walker. You're the fastest person in the world. And then from language, you just hear people's tones. You see their intentions. You see what they're doing. And one day you go from not speaking and gobbly goop to actual language to speaking 15 languages for the UN. So if you actually look at our built-in technology, it's to learn, observe, and master. This is what allows Mm. guys like you not take, I don't know when you got a surfboard, but I got one at 30. I can Dude, go I was, from I was 39. Yeah, okay. I, so <laughs> so did you did you think you're going to surf a 15 foot wave when you were with your first board? No, but you, you learned. You know what? <laughs> Dude, you know what? I was thinking exactly what you're talking about. I was thinking this morning when I was out in the water. Like I was surfing some big waves this morning and I was by myself. There was nobody out there and I was uh-huh. like there's no way in hell 5 years ago, 10 years ago if you asked me I would be doing this. Not a chance. Not a chance. You know? Not a, chance. not a chance but your default <laughs> system kicked in so yeah. where, where does this default system go wrong now you can walk and talk your age two or three and then what happens everyone just tells you what you can't do and mm-hmm. so now you're no longer developing that muscle of learn observe and master now you're developing conditioning now you're mm-hmm. developing limitations so let, let's, let's flip the scenario from the typical and go to what I'm going to tell my child one day if I ever have one and the world becomes a place where I would like to have one. Anyway, so, <laughs> you, know, let's, you know, you have your kid come out and, and starts walking and talking and you say, now that you can walk and talk, on your third birthday, you're actually going to levitate. Now, how do I, and, and your, your child trusts you. 
It trusts you unconditionally because it only knows you to be a protector, hopefully, at this point. So it says to you, well, okay, what what, what do I do? Is it, you know, is it like the walking and talking thing that I did? You go, actually, this is what you do. Every day and every night, you envision yourself levitating off of the ground. And on your third birthday, you will do it. Well, Well, why aren't you doing it? Actually, in order for you to do it, I will not do it until your third birthday with you. So, mm. so now what happens on your third birthday, you have no doubt in your mind that you're going to be able to do this. There is no rule in the universe that says it is not possible for you to levitate. Do you know what you're going to do on that day? You're going to levitate. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> because this is how the mind works. It is, it, in my opinion, in my experience, I'm, I'm not going to contradict anything other than just go for my experience. In my experience... Mm. When I see something, I know that it's either happened, will happen, or could happen. Because the universe will never give you an idea that it itself does not understand. Because we are a subset of the universe's possible ideas. Just like you said in the beginning, we know so much and we realize how much we don't know. That Mm. that means everything we do know must be a subset of the totality of knowledge. So you couldn't even possibly have that idea if it wasn't possible. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. Woo! This is so awesome, dude. I'm just, there's so many things I want to ask you about in in just what you just said. But um, I want to come back to what you said about human beings being the only beings incapable so far of working together. And I think I want to ask you, is that fundamental to our makeup or is it only because we're in the infancy of our development? You know, that's a really, really great question. Um, in, in my, in my, in my original ideas, I thought it was something that we just weren't allowing ourselves to do. I thought it was, um, Oh, you know, we're all taught to try and get ahead by almost crushing each other. That's basically the idea. I beat yeah. you and I'm the winner. And, but that's not really a, a today a way that I look at it because that's actually a result of our underlying uh, essence. Um, we basically are a non-harmonic consciousness as humans. We, there's the way that consciousness pulses is it goes from harmonic to non-harmonic to harmonic to non-harmonic to harmonic and the human being the secondary consciousness and we can get into the details of that but basically we're in a non-harmonic state 
And the reason why we're in a non-harmonic state is because the next one is to go to a harmonic state. So mm. if you ever hear about anyone in the near-death experiences or in Nirvana, they're like, oh, it was pure bliss. Everything was amazing. Everything was incredible. Well, that's because you're comparing it to the non-harmonic state, which is just before. And mm. I actually uh, would, I must think that it is on purpose because everything is on purpose in everything that happens that mm. why I think it's on purpose now is to develop the strength and to develop the, the endurance to grow so that when we do go to the harmonic state, we don't forget to continue working on ourselves. We don't mm. forget to continue growing because it, you know, imagine you, it's so funny. People say, Oh, I would make a million dollars and then I'm done. Have you ever spoken to a millionaire who says after a million dollars, they're done. Yeah. They're just beginning. <laughs> They're just yeah. beginning at a million dollars. So there is this illusion that, oh, I'll do the work and then I'm done. It's actually no. Do the work so you develop the desire and the fundamental knowledge of how to do the work so that when you are in a state that seems easier, you don't forget to continue to work hard because there is and work smart and work together because there are more levels to go. There's mm. so many more levels to go. In fact, actually, that's the only thing we can't really fathom is how many more levels there are because mm. sometimes you need to be 1000 levels from now before you realize there's 10,000 more, right? Like, mm. which is what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Um, so this is why I think that everything is happening the way that it is. It's just part of our, uh, part of our consciousness, but let's actually step on that for a little bit because not everybody is destructive. So how does that work exactly? So, so wait, can I, can I just yeah, ask you, ahead, please, so please. Your, your take, your take is that we are in an, uh, a temporary non-harmonic, uh, portion of evolution in is this physical, in this physical form. So, so does that, yeah. does that mean it's impossible for, um, a human being in physical form to jump to the next level of harmony in this existence without dying uh, or not? A uh, great question. And so let's mm. clarify that for a second. Um, okay. first of all, your consciousness is not necessarily congruent with your physical form. So okay. by default, when you're born into a human consciousness, you are born with at minimum the human conscious level, but it is known in Vedante and in deep Kabbalistic studies and Quran and Bible that your consciousness can actually be way higher than your form. This is actually a mm. given right of consciousness. So people who are harmonic can actually be at a unity consciousness let's like shamans for example they're in a human physical mm. form but they're able to um uh, take part in unity consciousness which is what allows them to look at plants and be told that this plant is medicinal which allows them to make ayahuasca or do this or do that so the, in in the human realm there's a mixture of people who are in the human consciousness and then and then people who are in higher consciousnesses but our physical form and our physical reality uh an embodiment in order to be here um for us to start is in the human form of this three dimension mm. um but when we talk about the beings they can come here and they can come here in a human body similar to human body or a completely different body a light body but they need a body they need a body mm. to be here. This is the key to the worlds is you need to have a vessel in each conscious world that you want to partake in. But your consciousness itself can be unbounded in all of the worlds. 
So uh, we'll get more into that. So the short answer is um, not everybody is at the same conscious level just because we're in a human body and there's no limitation to our body. Um, in mm. fact, if anything, if you reach higher states of consciousness in this phase of your life, in this phase of your growth, then you're only developing uh, a, a stronger form to contain such an intelligent conscious level. And so mm. let's look at ayahuasca for a second. People who take ayahuasca, it's known that you purge, you diarrhea, you exude all of this mess, right? Mm. The reason yeah. why that happens is because ayahuasca catapults your consciousness to such a high vibration that your form can't handle it. And then, totally. there, and then there's other people who are super chill when they take ayahuasca because they vibrate at that level anyway. So their form has developed the strength to harness that level of energy, giving them a higher sustainability in, in where they're at. That's that's so amazing. And I've had that exact experience myself. And I'm ref the reason I'm laughing is because I had an ego reaction to it because I did ayahuasca <laughs> yeah. a couple of times and I didn't purge when everybody was, else was around me was purging. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm the guy that's at the higher consciousness. My <laughs> ego wants to be like, oh, I'm I'm the guy. Which is just so funny. Maybe I am. But I wanted to, before we move on, I want to ask you about um, conditioning and limitations because when you talked about when we're born and we we're these light beings, we have no limitations and then we're conditioned you know, usually by our parents or guardians and through no fault of their own, I might add, it's like they're doing their best for what they think uh, will keep us safe and, and help us to survive. Right. So, exactly. and they're just doing what they were programmed with as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when we talk about practical applications, how can we help people like you, for example, how did you overcome? Cause presumably you were conditioned on some level. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome that conditioning and come back to that place of, I am incredibly powerful. I am infinite. I am capable of anything. Yeah. Um, how do you, so, how do you overcome your own limitations? Yeah. So, uh, another great question. So this is part of, it all started at the beginning. Um, I actually, uh, grew up in a very verbal and physically abusive house. And, okay. um, I was always told that I, that we love you. Um, but I would also get a chair on my head with that statement. And so I was, wow. so, so at age, you know, actually I'm so grateful for it. Um, mm. uh, because I still love my parents and I still love them because like you said, everyone has their programming. I don't develop anger towards people at least anymore because of how they are when I know they don't know to be better. If you know to be better and you're behaving that way, this is where I start to develop a uh, disappointment. Um, right. but so basically what happened was at nine years old or so, um, I would spend a lot of time outside and I would, uh, sleep pretty late outside in my backyard, like under the deck thing. And anyways, to save the sad parts of the story, let's get to the point. <laughs> um, I, my family was, was space. I would be out there and I would look at the stars and I would look at the moon and they were always there for me. And so I personified them at a very young age giving them personalities, giving them life. Instead of just being balls of gases, I gave them uh, my, my heart. I gave them my love and they gave it back to me. They would talk to me in return and I'd be like, really? Oh, okay. Like, that's so cool. And then, then wow. I, and I would feel better about myself. And I didn't know that I was doing that. I just knew that they were always there for me. Every night I came out, 
the stars were there every night that I w- that I wanted to talk to them. They just listened unconditionally, mm. and um, that was a result of of not having the same. Um, you know, imagine you're you're 13, and you, I'd be in high school, and people would want to challenge, or going into high school, and people would want to challenge me. I'm like, man, I'm scared of going home. You think I'm worried about you? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, so I, I I developed this really strong personality that no one is going to limit me because no one has the right to hurt me. And I remember mm. when I was 16. My dad gave me a swing at me and I caught his hand in midair and I said, look, you know, like I can kick your ass right now. So why don't, why don't we step back? Let's start fresh. Let's forget everything we did or what happened and let's just move forward in a, in a beautiful way. And he was like, well, what if I don't and don't want to? And I was like, well, then I'm going to throw you across this room. And, (laughs) And he came at me and I threw him across the room. (laughs) Um, and it's sad to say that because at that moment, if I were the father in that situation and your son is willing just to wash away everything to just Mm. be your friend, well, and you don't want to do that at that point, going back, it's like, well, dad, I gave you the chance. I didn't develop anger issues. I didn't come at you and, and like try and get vengeance on you. I came to you and said, let's just try. And at that point you acknowledged what I was saying. And then you said to me, no. It's no yeah. longer, it's well, not an option. I think even that if there was some impulse in them in him to to agree to those terms, I think the unconscious pain yeah. that uh, is where the true anger is coming from. And if you aren't conscious of that pain, it's continually going to manifest in your life. And I think that's what we see even with the people in power like the exactly. that are causing the suffering, it's because they are in such deep pain that yes. it needs to be externalized in some way. Yes. Would you agree? I do. And today, without mentioning any names, I want to give so many of them a big hug and just be like, right? man, it's okay. And, <laughs> and, feed, and feed them some ayahuasca. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, I got your hands behind your back yeah. and you're drinking this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. The only I, I think if every ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah, I, totally. I think if every politician, every military industrial complex, every pedophile would do ayahuasca, I think oh. the world would be a much better place. Right, you, you, that should oh, that yeah. should be a prerequisite to get into Congress. You need to do an ayahuasca. Journey, I I agree. Right? I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I I think we don't have high enough standards for our leaders, not because they're bad, but because I don't think we have confidence in ourselves generally to be leaders. That we yeah. we we give away the right so quickly. It's yeah. like, wait a second, what makes a good leader? You know, really, it's not the richest person in the world. Actually, the richest people in the world usually consume everything from everybody. They're like yeah. a vacuum just taking advantage. But yeah. it's, it's also very difficult in relating those people to my dad for a second. Imagine running a company where you have 100,000 employees. I personally do not know what that's like. I don't know the kind of decisions I need to make in order to, to make that work. So I have a ton of compassion and respect that they're in a place that I just don't know. And if anything, Mm. like if anything, I just wish that we were more transparent about what we do know so that we can teach each other and strengthen ourselves. Like for example, the Vatican has a secret library. How can you have a secret Mm. library and not share it with me? 
What, what gives well, you the right to have it? <laughs> it's be, it I, co I totally agree, but I can I can tell you why. It's because we've developed as you know tr warring tribal factions where yeah. it's rivalrous games. Either I'm going to murder and rape and pillage you and take all your stuff, or you're going to do it to me. Exactly. And so all the peaceful, conscientious um, you know tribes got wiped out. Yeah. Right? And so what we have right now is win lose games, rivalrous dynamics. And it's getting exponentially worse because technology, which you're well familiar with, is getting exponential. So oh, in yeah. the past, when it was just two tribes can kill each other, okay, no problem. It doesn't affect me. I'm on the other side of the world. Now it's global. Yeah. If China and North Korea and the United States and Russia go to global nuclear war, it's all over. It's the, all over. The, the whole playing field is, is leveled for everybody. So it limits our ability to continue playing the game, yeah. which is why... I, I'm so passionate about the work that I'm doing is because we need to figure this shit out, starting with ourselves. Yeah. Right. We need we need to heal ourselves that unconscious anger I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And then clear the vessel out so we can show up in community, have these types of conversations for the collective good and be sharing information truthfully. Yeah. Because right now within the system, I'm incentivized to disinform you for yeah. strategic advantage. Exactly. Right? And so yeah. that's why the Vatican's not sharing their shit. That's why the United States, it's a narrative warfare. It's yeah. cultural narrative warfare, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's understandable, but how do we overcome it is the question. I think um, that's an incredible question. And I think that in order to overcome it, we need to understand about how we flow within this universe and, and how it mm. works a little bit. So we tend to think that we're stuck within the probabilistic outcome that we are in. So let's talk about, mm. let's throw in some crazy words in like the word quantum right now. <laughs> okay, like, awesome. All right. Bring so it on. Quantum is really the understanding of a single probability out of all probabilistic outcomes that can exist. So right. transdimensional is multiple quantum states that can exist from all the states that are available. So right, right. now you and I, when we entered into this conversation, it's funny because I said before this conversation, I'm like, oh, my computer is going to go down, right? Like it's just, it's going to go down. And literally it did. It shut down. Uh -huh. There was no power. My plug wasn't working here in Costa Rica. Not all the time. Electricity is flowing. Anyway, that's how powerful you are. That's how powerful. But I saw it. Okay. I <laughs> yeah. saw it, but I was okay. I, I didn't get nervous about it. I have two computers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's right. like I can just pull out the other one. But here's, here's the scenario though. In that exact same moment, where the computer went down, there was also a version where the computer didn't go down. And totally. so what happens is when we go through our narrative in a day, we tend to think that we're following the same line all the time, but we're actually mm. not. What's happening is our awareness is constantly dividing itself, handling all the outcomes that can exist. And it's really, which one do you want to be on? So mm. if you if you put in your heart and your mind that you want to be in a world where we're sharing and caring and loving, and this is where you operate from, you're going to go and lean into that world that that that's your reality. And if you put, uh, oh, everything's negative and hard and tough. Well, your awareness will lean into that world where mm. um, where uh, where it's negative. Now, when I was a young younger just to wrap up the idea of how you fold these, okay? Um, I used to think that you can go from a very negative, negative probabilistic outcome and you can just hop over to one that you want. But if you actually study combinatorics and probabilistic mathematics, that's not possible because that means that one of the outcomes have a lack of awareness. So what are we mm. really doing, okay? What are we really doing 
is we're drawing closer to ourselves the probability of where we want to be and the probability of where we are and folding them into a new outcome that is available at that state. This way, both strands of probability maintain their awareness, which satisfies all of the structural necessities to make that happen. But ourselves, we lead to where we want to go. Okay, mm. so we get there. Totally. So it's really about folding. It's a, it's a folding action rather than a hopping action. Um, uh, yeah, you had a question, though. I just uh, want to make sure we get it in there. Oh, my God. I've got so many questions. <laughs> 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 well, I, and I think it comes back to how powerful we are. It's where you focus your attention is what the, the within the quantum field or the field of possibility, if you want to call it that, where you focus your attention, that's the probability that you will collapse into reality. Exactly. And this is is the double slit experiment, right? Where they put an observer up, and if you're watching something, if you're observing something, that's what will collapse into reality. And so that's, again, how powerful you are with your thoughts and your emotions and your focus and your attention. Yeah. Which is why, you know, positive affirmations, uh, you know, focusing your attention, meditation, that's why these things work. Yeah. You don't get caught, and because our natural impulse as human beings, in and from an evolutionary perspective, is to always look for the danger. It's a yeah. survival mechanism, right? So we're programmed to be looking negatively. Okay, if I do this, am I going to die? Am I going to get eaten? Am I going to be killed by that tribe member? Right. Yeah. So you're constantly focusing on the negative, on the the possible negative outcomes. Yeah. Rather, and this is this is built. Um, baked into us. And so I think at this point in our evolutionary conscious um, evolution is, okay, how do we shift away? Because no longer is the lion waiting for us in the savannah. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the threat, the threats are more visceral. They're more, you know, on a, on a ego level where it's like, okay, I might look stupid in front of somebody or, or whatever. I might go broke and I have to go homeless or whatever it is, but you're, there's not the immediate threat. And so we have to move away from focusing on those negative outcomes and recognize how powerful we are to create our own reality Yeah. by yeah. using our focus and our intention, right? And yeah. when, from a scientific perspective, perspective, to collapse the possibility from the quantum field that matches our essence, our truest essence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does that and, make uh, sense? Yeah, it makes tons of sense. I, I just want to uh, um, touch upon something that you said, the death, death, uh, probably one of the most misunderstood concepts I've ever encountered in my life. So, uh, as I said, I had a tough upbringing. And so I had tried committing suicide three times by the age of 18. And I've had situations where I should have died. And you hear about people who are in near-death experiences. And the consistency that I have is, one, I didn't die. And two, Mm. that near-death experience people always come back and tell you how amazing it was. So clearly, (laughs) they're not dead. So really, death is not something we experience, but is something we observe. So Mm. death is really is it's a it's an experience of the observer. And so how do we work in a situation where you were where you're going to die in one outcome and you're going to live in another outcome? Have you ever had this? That almost hit me. And then you're like, thank goodness. And you walk off and appreciate life even more. Well, there is a version where that did hit you. And but it's not it's not. Uh, you didn't die in that moment. What happened is your awareness just goes to the next closest probabilistic outcome that is there and you continue your journey. And the people in that, in that thread of the outcome are just observing your death and unfortunately experience your loss. 
So, mm. so death is not a personal thing. So once there's people, and I always say this, once you die, you can start living because you realize mm. that you're not going to die. So once we get this idea that there's an ending and realize that through every door you enter, you must have exited another room or another space. You cannot enter mm. anywhere without exiting, but there's something consistent. You're still there. Mm. You're still yes. flowing. So if we just agree to know that we really don't know what happens when we die. Let's just say that. I'm not going to claim and mm. tell you what happens right now, but I'm just going to tell you that we don't know. And so, so since we don't know, why are you so worried about it? So far, everyone mm. who dies tells you it's amazing. Um, but we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose. We think that we're not going to be able to come back. We think that we're not going to be able to experience. And through that process of stress, we're actually losing the present. We're actually mm. losing the opportunity to be present and to be with the things that we're scared of losing. And this is that whole rushing factor. It's amazing. Everyone wants to be retired at 20, but you got you want to live until 100. And it's like, uh, so why are you in such a rush? Take your time. Relax. <laughs> you know, take a, grab another beer. I don't know. Like drink your coffee. Just, just chill out. Retire. Yeah. You don't need to retire when you're a prune and you're like really old and you can't enjoy life. Why don't you just develop a life where you never feel like you're working because every yeah. day you're doing what you love. And if create a it, life you don't have to escape from. Exactly. And then, yeah. and then you're in a whole, this is the key to survival is not yeah. wanting to escape from the condition. And we're taught, like you said, survival of the fittest. What fittest? Just because, what, my biceps are bigger than yours, I'm going to come and beat you up right now? That, that, that's, where did this come from? What kind, of a, what kind of analysis is that? The truth is, this is an abundant, overflowing universe filled with so much journey and adventure that you will go on that the, the only sad part to the to the idea of our journey is that we don't remember where we came from unless we have mm. an immortal mind and if we have an immortal mind where we are allowed to remember our past then we won't be so attached to the physical because our memories and our journey will stay intact and mm. um, we can talk about that but um wow yeah anyway <laughs> man <laughs> this is so awesome, Daniel. Uh, I could just go on for days, dude. Uh, we're almost at an hour and we haven't even started talking about aliens or Dr. Greer. So l let's get it. That, and uh, that's I'm really what I'm story. excited about. I'll tell you. Okay. okay. I'll tell you. Well, uh, let's, let's just let's just give some or some context for for what yeah. uh, that work you did. So Dr. Stephen Greer, just tell us about him and CSETI for a minute. Yeah, awesome. So uh, Dr. Greer, awesome person, uh, probably one of the most highest vibrating people I've ever met. Um, mm. Very strong 6'4 guy with the heart of an angel, like he really wants to do well. And mm. so from a younger age, he had started, um, he had a near death experience, uh, where he was basically given an option to come back and teach or to continue. And I admire that he chose to come back and teach and he developed what i call experimental protocols and they call it that too because they're always changing there's no right way to do anything and my experience with him uh, i won't get too much into the detail to save time is i got to spend three years uh and nine trips out in the desert with him where i got to uh, get training be a part of probably 150 people coming in and out of the training program 
Um, I was actually the holder of all the videos that we had. So I have all the original copies of the video and took most of the video and the experiences we had. Um, and what we would do is we would basically go into the desert, uh, particularly not always a desert, but a desert most of the time, because it's very quiet. We're very much in nature. Space is abundant. And we would learn the techniques of raising our awareness, raising our consciousness through remote mm. viewing. Remote viewing has a lot of analogies, which we can describe. But basically, once you're out there in the desert and you raise your awareness, you start developing a relationship with the universe and you start developing a relationship with the different beings at those different awarenesses. So then what we would do is we would invite them to come back to our dimensional space, our 3D space. And when they would come, we would film it. Um, and if sometimes, and I'll tell you a story um, where you just don't <laughs> care about the film. You're just like, okay, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> like you've said so much already. I'm just like, let's just, let me just ask you a few questions before you give us the story. So what kind of techniques are you talking about to raise awareness is yeah. number one. And then once you've raised your awareness and you've entered another dimension, if that's what it, you, you're actually doing, yeah. uh, or you're engaging with other beings, um, how do you communicate with them? Yeah. And then how do you invite them? What's the value for them to come back to your reality? Oh, okay. To, to our reality. So, um, our reality. Yeah. And, uh, bec uh, so amazing questions. Um, so I'm so happy you asked this actually. So the, the key, <laughs> the key to these protocols, um, is kind of, in my opinion now is somewhat of a placebo. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I mean in order from, in order to basically, uh, connect with the universe it's all about building a relationship with the universe. Okay. So let's look at you and me, for example, say, I don't know you and I don't meet you. And then I'm sorry. And I meet you and I don't really know you. Okay. I, at that point, I have a guard up. The trust is potentially low. Um, and we, and I'm not going to go tell you right away. Oh, I have a billion dollars in the bank and I have these houses that is going to stay within my domain. And the same thing for you. So, in the beginning, we have these techniques that we like to do in order to court each other into developing friendships. You ask me how my day is going. You tell me a little bit about you. Um, mm. Meditation, um, uh, uh, mantras, um, mind experiments are all these kind of introductory steps where you're going out. First of all, I'm going out to the desert. I'm making the effort to go there. I'm flying. I'm investing. I'm going to sit under the stars and I'm going to sit in a certain position or at least in a position. And I'm going to tell you, I want to meet you at that point. It's not actually so important how we sit, how we breathe and how we talk. What's important is my intention is that I am taking a step towards you universe. Okay. That's, that's Beautiful. what's happening. Okay. But now let's develop that relationship. I end up having a few lunches with you. I really like you and I enjoy you. So I invite you over to my house and we hang out. And when you come to my house, you're like, oh, nice bicycle. What are you into? I go, yeah, I love riding bikes and I surf. And you start discovering all of these new things. What happens at that moment as we're developing the relationship, my guard is coming down. My trust is rising. My vulnerability to be trusted and to trust increases. And therefore, you learn more about me. 
So actually, mm. that's how you have an experience with the universe. You build trust mm. with the universe to share this knowledge with you and to share this experience with you because it wants to know why you want it. If you come out there and go, oh, all I want to do is get the secret juice so I can make some technology and become a billionaire, the universe is going to be like, yeah. eh, honestly, <laughs> I have like 50,000 of you. I'm not so interested. But then, you, so we would have people come out in the desert who know nothing and the people who know everything, okay, overeducated, undereducated people, the ones who were overeducated in the topic usually had the least amount of experience. And the ones yeah. who just, they were like, look, I'm just, I'm a human being and this is, I'm called to do it. And, and, and I got the yeah. invitation and I trust you. I just, I just want to, I just want to experience you. The universe goes, well, you're a really cool person. I want to yes. meet you too. This is my chance. Bam. Because there's then, no, there's no conditioned limitations. No, right? you already have it. It's, it, we're not adding yeah. anything. We're removing Right. It's right. even, even oh. in our, even in our neuroscience, we know that our mind filters out 99% or so of what we're taking yeah. in through our eyes, light wise, just in our own light spectrum. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we really don't need to add, we just need to remove filters. And if anyone studies Kabbalistic ways and in, in the book of Zohar and things like that, that's all they're actually telling you to do is remove the filters and you vibrate higher and get closer to the creator. And guess what? It doesn't matter what form you're in. If you've removed those filters and you are vibrating at the creational level, guess what you are? You're the creator because totally. every essence is a vibration. And uh, so yeah. I love, dude, I love this. I just want to ask you from the practical standpoint, from the practical perspective, how do you remove the filters? A, or what are the filters? Sure. Are they uh, we're talking, are, are, are conditioning? Yeah. The, the biggest one is trust. And the biggest one okay. is a sense of insecurity. First of all, mm. we're in the most secure space that we can be. Everything about the environment on the universe's perspective is it wants to take care of you. We are a benevolent uh, universe, meaning that all the beings that we've experienced, none of them have abducted us. None of them want to zap us. None of them want to dissect us. All of them just want to be a part of us because they want to share information. So how do you do this? How, how, how can so you go ahead? Is that because they've, like we were talking about earlier, human beings being, being at a lower evolutionary stage, have these other beings overcome that impulse or did, were they never, was it never intrinsic in them? At one point, um, they have overcome it. Some of their uh, species and civilizations can be millions or billions of years older than us. Mm. At the same time, some of them just start off at that realm because at every realm, there needs to be life. There needs to mm. be some level of experience. So I've seen beings that literally look like space. They literally look like they're this dark blue silhouette type shadow where there's these moving orbs flowing in them. And they are literally the fabric of space. And that's where Whoa. they operate. And then I've seen beings where, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a black silhouette and all around them is uh, uh, scintillating lights. These are the angelics that walk around and you can smell carnations around them. They have this this uh this car this carnation kind of thing and then i'll tell you the story of how i met the teacher and at that point i just saw the whole thing it was like literally like bam here's the universe buddy you're getting okay, okay, <laughs> like, this is this is so awesome dude i yeah. like I, I love every piece of this so just so these beings would appear in a form where we can conceive them with our eyes yes Correct? and well film not them always with the camera 
so film them with the camera. Yeah, we have but, to. But is that does that happen all the time, or can they appear in what would be called like an energetic, more an essence? Yeah. You can feel them, but not see them. Yeah. Um, yes, because it's all based on the comfort. So I'll give you a typical experience of how you would do it. Okay. okay. So yeah. first off, they want to gauge your awareness. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story now of my first trip the first interaction and the last interaction that happened on that okay. first week trip. And you'll get a sense okay, what, of what it's like. One more question before yeah. you do that. Yeah. What, I, didn't, I didn't ask you before. What is the primary intention of these trips out into the desert? What is, what is the goal? Um, there's the, the main goal is for us to develop, uh, first of all, our given right to be a universal species and to be connected mm. with the universe. And to then, for particularly the group, um, is when we get an opportunity like this, I can share with you my experiences and hopefully even just one other person will hear it and take a chance on the universe mm. and develop that relationship. <clears throat> Amazing. And so yeah. this kind of ties into, and I can't wait for the story, but one more question. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so, so this ties into the sort of collective intelligence thing, right? So you're, you're, you're going out there in a group of people. How many typically? Um, 20 to 27, something like that. And so... From your experience, does the number of people influence uh, the probability of a connection or an encounter? Uh, yeah, or is definitely. it more? Okay. Definitely. And so, yeah. Yeah. because from what I can tell is that when you have a group of people, and this goes back to, you know, I've been in retreats, for example, where we we're talking about earlier setting the container of trust and intention. When you put a group of people in a container where you do feel safe and you do feel comfortable and you're willing to open up and you you set the intention all in the same direction the the catalyst of multiple consciousnesses um, moving in the same direction sort of opens a portal that yes. exponentially ev everybody can ep exponentially rise or you know in this case draw in yeah does that make sense yeah and uh, just to touch upon that so 27 could be good if we all have a good attitude but so, right, but what exactly. would happen is you know, I love this one. You get the person who comes in and we've had a person who's like, all right, where are them, them aliens? You know, we just would come down now and show me who you are. And I'm like, what? The, like, that's your attitude. All right. So that's that not guy, how it works, dude. No, no. So he goes to the washroom, <laughs> you know, during my break at one in the morning, he goes to the washroom and then uh -huh. everyone is like, wow, look at what just happened. He comes back and goes, what did I miss? And you're like, everything. What do you mean? What did you miss? <laughs> you missed everything. <laughs> oh, dude. That, um, that's so awesome. So sometimes we would just be, and this is where my story goes, is when there was just three of us and what happened when then there was just two of us. And, um, and uh, yeah, the numbers matter, but really what matters is the attitude. So we can be a yeah. 80 billion people on this planet, whatever. If we all have the right attitude, we will all benefit. It's totally. when we don't have the right attitude. No one likes a person with a poor attitude. It doesn't matter who it is. And if the yeah. universe has any personality, because we develop our attributes from the universal uh, spectrum. So that means it has emotions. That means it has personality. That means it has understanding. And that means it wants to learn itself. If anything, you can think of yourself as the universe optimizing its opportunity by learning, by creating individuals who will then go and learn even more. So it totally. came to a point where it's like, hey, I can only learn so much as the single cosmic mind. What if I 
create this fractal distribution, like you said, you put equal energy into everything and then let them all go and learn something amazing. Think about how much I'm going to learn now. And so this is why we even have that concept is because we are literally a positive force just trying to seek more positive energy uh, and more mm. positive knowledge um, for the sake of returning it back to the single mind. This is our job I, I totally, as a being is to be. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And, and to grow and to learn and exactly. to develop and, and to share our unique, beautiful gifts in order to make the world a more beautiful place for everybody and everything. Exactly. So, But I just wanted to ask you about, because you've kind of personified this universe as a as a being that has emotions and sort of human characteristics and um and and is benevolent you know this this is for me it's like okay well what does that mean what what does the universe want you know what what is the arrow of evolution on the grander scale like where does this all go yeah is it just infinite and we're you know like why why anything why now well you know? that's a that's a loaded question so i'll give you the <laughs> i'll give you the answer as to why anything when there was nothing nothing itself in order to recognize itself needed to create everything so it had an identity and mm. so when there was just the vastness of the pure mind in order for it to create the understanding of what it is it created everything so now that there is everything, it now can identify itself as to being this nothing space. And so this is why when we meditate, we want to go to this nothing space. We want to go to the void where mm. basically we live. Okay, this is on the physics level because it's really important to understand the physics. There's two points, okay, as to which we move from. And this is why everything has a breath. Everything has an inhale, exhale kind of thing. It all follows this idea. So there is a stillness where ideas have not yet gone into motion. They are just pure stillness, potentials waiting to be. And mm -hmm. then thought moves them into motion and then crystallize them into another point of stillness where the experience is the manifestation. This is where we yeah. are. Then yeah. from that stillness, it breaks back down and recycles itself back to the stillness of just being an idea. So that in, inhalation, exhalation uh, movement of information is exactly how the universe is, is constantly creating this flow. And this is why in our phones, we have refresh rates that go on and off, creating the illusion of, of continuity, which is just like atoms moving in and out, refreshing, mm. constantly creating realities. This is why when our phone is off, we're still connected. There's still a connection receiving and sending information between the devices. This is why our device is a sensory device. This is why when you're on your iPhone, you don't get all of your screens at once. You only get the, the, the thing you need, the, the present moment application that you need to interact with. It's constantly taking the available ideas and moving them into a space and constructing them into a reality to an experience to then then go back and send that information and experience back to the create to the cosmic mind to creation mm. itself and then creation says awesome let's do it again let's do it again mm. let's do it again let's do it so many times we never stop doing it and to uh, what end well there there can't be an end and a beginning to this space because the nothingness is exactly equal to the everythingness 
And this is, this is where the idea of becoming nothing is actually becoming everything. It's when you are mm. nothing, you have the opportunity to become everything. So in mm. the highest states of awareness, reaching cosmic consciousness, you actually bring your mind to the point of where you are beyond the archetypical constructs of the universe. And you are in a point of pure stillness. At that point, you can come down like a drop as anything you want and be whatever you want to be. So the key to becoming nothing is to only become everything. And mm. so this is, in my understanding, in my experience, when nothing wanted to know what it was, it decided to become everything and realize what it was. So one day I was sitting down and this guy goes to me, oh, I meditate to, to lose myself. And, and I'm like, oh, I meditate to become aware of where to become aware of everything so that I know where I am. So mm. only when we become aware of everything do we know what we are. And mm. nothingness needed that because nothing, even in set theory of mathematics, when you actually do the power set, which is every possible set that can exist within an entirety of items, the null set, which is the empty set, is always part of every mm, set. It's included, of always, course. Yeah. By standard, it has to be. has to yeah. be. So yeah. nothing is in every possible in, in every single set and collection that can exist. And um, mm. this is where we're at. It's a little bit of a confusing thing to, to, to take in because we have to equate the idea of nothing could be everything. So I'll give you, I'll give you one more example and then hopefully we'll have time for a story. I one day for went sure. to go visit, um, my friend Liz at her house and she has this beautiful daughter, Ava, like literally a, a, a drop of cosmic ray that just fell onto this planet. This, this, this girl, four years old, she's so unbelievable. And, um, she came up to me in the house and opened up a box and, and said, would you like one? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And I went in, I picked it up and started chewing on it. Delicious. I'm like, this is the most delicious thing I've ever had. And she gave me this huge smile and then walked off. And then Liz goes, oh, thank you for entertaining her, you know, uh, with nothing in the box. I go, what are you talking about? That box had the most delicious chocolates I've ever seen. So, <laughs> so at that moment, the child saw in me that I saw her imagination. I saw her world mm. and I participated in it. So just because there was nothing physically verifiable by all parties in the room, well, Ava and I saw the chocolates in the box. And so Ava and mm. I were able to enjoy the, the chocolate in the box. And I mm. did not feel like I was playing with her. I just enjoyed a chocolate that I saw. So going back to the experience of the beings, it's just like that. We would have it where mm. maybe five people will see something and five others will not. And that's not because the five who didn't see cannot see. It's because they have limitation and fear and rules that they've placed within their uh, 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 perspective. And so the universe highly respects that and says, I do not want to freak you out. So for example, mm. what if you saw behind me right now, two beings light, light beam in behind me, you're probably going to freak out, <laughs> right? You'd be like, what yeah, is what yeah, is going but I, on? You know, no, I'd be stoked too, man. Uh, oh, I'm not saying I'd you personally, totally stoked. just any right, person, okay. you know, like <laughs> any, any person would just be like, what, what was that? What, yeah. You have these translucent beings behind you. Well, when it happens and you find yourself comfortable, 
then you realize that you have the capacity to have such an experience. And then this is why you're having them. And like I said, right in the beginning, I find comfort in the uncomfortable. Um, Mm. And I've had experiences where I've been shot up in the air by a being and landed on my bed. And, and I actually was laughing, like, what was that? But I really want to get into a story and just tell you, because I have so many. many Okay, give me, hit us, hit us with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so stoked. Yeah. So, um, okay. So in the first trip, uh, I remember going before the first trip and uh, I call up my brother and um, I said to him, man, I'm having all these crazy experiences. Like, uh, I'm, I'm practicing dream walking. I'm doing this lucid dream work, which by the way, a really safe place to meet beings for when you start is in the dream space, because you're already in a world where everything has less rigid rules than, than mm. this reality. So for anyone who's beginning studying dream practices and doing things like that is actually a great way to develop comfort. And once you develop the comfort there, you can bring it into this reality. So mm, anyways, very cool. I'm telling my brother about all these crazy experiences and uh, my mom had passed away and, uh, and I, and I, each kid had a moment with my mom um, to have a conversation. And so I said to him, yeah, I'm having these crazy experiences. I'm seeing all these worlds and what's happening. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, he goes, well, before mom passed away, she told me some things and gave me three books and said, these are the only books you need to know. And I'm like, all right, what did she tell you? He's like, I can't tell you. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean you can't tell me? He's like, I can't tell you, but you're going to find out. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay, well, buddy, I'm like five years older than you. Don't make me come there and like older brother slap you right now. I'm getting that answer. He goes, no, no, I can't tell you, but I can give you a way to think. And I'm like, all right. He goes, you know the movie Thor? And I go, yeah. He goes, think of the outer worlds. Think of the outer worlds. And I'm like, okay. I'm going, what are these books that mom gave you? And he goes, it's called the Book of Zohar, which are three volumes of deep Kabbalistic studies. And I said, okay, well, did you read it? He goes, I can't read it. It's in biblical Hebrew. And I said, okay, well, what are you doing? He goes, well, I took it to the rabbi. The rabbi opened it, closed it, and gave me the book back and said that we don't read this book. It is for only Judaic mystical people. And it said that if you understand this knowledge in here, that you die. Now, it, it doesn't mean that you actually physically die. It just means mm. your concept of your reality dies and you develop mm-hmm. a whole new one. All right. So I'm going on this trip to meet Dr. Greer, the famous Dr. Greer. I don't know what is about to go on. I had to sign all of these uh, questionnaires of what it is. I get to the trip. I meet all of these wonderful people. Um, and we're going into our first night uh, out under the stars. Okay. And you know, it's, it's a warm up night. And, uh, he's like, um, here's this star and here's that star and here's this constellation and that constellation. And we're all learning it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Great. I'm already so excited. Go home, go, go to sleep, wake up the next day. We're going under the stars. We're sitting in our circle. We sit in a 360 circle looking in every direction. And this girl, Megan goes, Hey, wait a second. Those two stars don't belong there. We all turn whoosh to the left, look up in the corner there, and you see these two stars, literally, I just want to get myself in the camera, these two stars literally there, and then they dim down and then start moving together. 
out of nowhere. Whoa. And everyone is like, what? Oh my God, the stars are moving. Ah, we can all go home. We just experienced the universe. <laughs> if I only knew that that was the beginning <laughs> to mm. what was about to happen, they were testing us to see if we were paying attention from the lesson before, if we were mm. seeing the stars, if we were giving them awareness. And Megan had the guts to say that she doesn't think those stars belong there. Who are you mm. to say two stars don't belong there? Like, wow. well, how many stars are there? So they responded by giving us a response and moving for us and, and dimming down and then moving. By the end of the trip, that was nothing. That was like, not to say it is nothing, but that was like nothing. So now we get to the last encounter that happened. So it's me, Megan, the same girl that pointed that out, and this guy, Chris. Chris is from LA and literally the UFO needs to land on his head for him to think that he saw it. Megan <laughs> is very earthly. She, um, you know, very like grounded, very stable, a lot about spirit. And I'm this cosmic guy. Everything for me is about cosmic mind, cosmic space, cosmic, whatever. So we're sitting down, we go back to the circle. We're chilling out. Uh, the, the week is over. People are packing up cause they have early flights probably around 2, 2.30 in the morning. Um, we're sitting down and we're just chilling, talking about the experience. And I see in uh, coming towards us, basically these orbs that look like they're, like I call them smudge balls because I don't really know what to call them. But you know when you take a photo of something and you uh -huh. you smudge out the face of a person and it, you can yeah. still kind of see the detail but not? So yeah. there were like these gray and black and translucent smudge ball things coming towards us. And I'm like, uh, uh, you guys see this over here right now? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what do you mean what I'm talking about? There's these smudge ball things coming all around us. They're like, what smudge balls, Daniel? What are you talking about? I'm like, they're like kind of all around you right now. And they're about a head size. Uh, so I close my eyes. And when I close my eyes, I can see these golden fish swimming. And when I open them, I see the smudge distortion of where they would be if they were swimming. And I was like, uh, maybe close your eyes. Do you see anything closing your eyes? They're like, no, I can't see anything. And I'm like, okay, I don't know, guys. I don't know what to tell you. There's smudge balls all around us. All right. So we're sitting there. I'm sitting here like, do, 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 like, you know, kind of trying to interact with these things. They're frustrated. Um, so we're sitting and I'm looking in the distance about 20 feet away and uh, I see this shimmer kind of like just like a reflection off of something. And I'm like, okay, guys, tell me you saw that. Like, and they're like, what are you talking about, Daniel? I'm like, I looked at it and I'm like, no, I see you. I felt with all my body, I see you. The second I did that, I felt my body get charged and 30-foot translucent being standing there. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> looking at them, looking at this. I'm like, you guys don't, do you see this? And they're like, what are you talking about? I stand up quickly. And right when I stand up, all the stars and all the constellations and everything shrink downsize right around me and it's like little marbles floating all around okay and i'm like holy cow like are you guys how are you not seeing this okay 
uh, they're like, no, no, I want to see. Chris is like, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm sick and tired. I can't see anything. I got to fly tomorrow. I'm going home. So he goes to his uh, casita or whatever at the ranch and he's gone. So it's just Megan and I. Megan goes to me, uh, Daniel, I really, really want to see. And I go, stop looking and just see. Stop, mm. stop thinking you're seeing what you're seeing and just let it be what it is. You know, like no judgment, right? And she's like, I, I, I don't know. Now at this point, okay, I see this 30 foot translucent being looks super wisdomy, you know, has the beard, has the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's these smudge ball things that are happening around are the silhouettes of beings all flowing around, like literally popping up, like as if they're all coming for something in the sky, in the Milky way, there are these faces and wings of angels coming out. Like a group of angels are flowing through the sky uh, in the Milky way ships or whatever things are zinging and zanging constellations are becoming electrified in 3d. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, wow okay wow my tattoo actually on my arm has all of these elements the guy the angels the it's it's actually all about this experience and the other arm is all about the knowledge i've learned but anyways that's another thing so megan wow. looks up and goes hey wait what's that golden et in the sky and i look at it and i'm like wait you can see that she's like of course i can see that what are you talking about and i'm like uh, yeah, like it's right there. And she goes, Whoa, it's coming closer. And I'm like, it is coming closer and it's moving and like hypnotizing you. You're kind of like, you're, you're in this moving space and you can feel like this, like love, like you're just so like, Oh wow, whatever. And she goes, I'm scared. And I'm like, no, don't be scared. And it stops. And I go, don't be scared. And I hold her hand and I'm like, just, just trust it. And I tell it, I trust you like internally and you can feel your heart like getting scanned at this point. Like everything is contracting around there. Um, now here I am. She just sees this golden thing. I'm seeing the angels, the being, the bat, the, the sky, the golden thing, all of this craziness. Okay. Like I'm like, and we don't take anything. You're not allowed to do anything on the trip, by the way. So like drugs or alcohol. Nothing. This is a completely sober yeah. trip. Okay. Yeah. So this thing comes closer and from the sky comes right in front of me to my height. And it, it looks like a fairy, but it's not. It's this kind of like this embodiment that's like a little flowy. And it's this golden yellow with this bright orange center. And around it is like a ring flowing this way and a ring flowing that way. And it's on the crown where the reflection of its light is creating the silhouette of the outside of a being up to the shoulder with a completely transparent uh, uh, features. So basically, mm. the reflection of the light of this is a being, okay? And I'm looking at it. Basically, what is on its crown is the seed of life. If you actually look at the seed of life, it's the shape and the seed of life. And she goes to me, what's it saying? Now she saw it from 20 feet away and I see it from three feet away because it was being conscious of her fear. Mm. And I, I look at her and I turn this to the left and I go, it's the teacher. It's teaching us how to see. And then I start mm. feeling this instantaneous pressure all across the side of my left side of the face. And I just start saying these things to her. 
and she starts crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? She goes, how do you know what you're saying? I go, I don't even know what I'm saying. I just, just coming out right now. I'm like, I'm like downloading the download at this point or whatever. Okay. Before, before you know it gone, we're now just four or five in the morning. The light is coming up. There's Venus, I guess, in the sky rising. And, uh, and we're just, we're just in this stillness, like, just like what just happened. Now here's where it gets interesting. Remember I told you about the Ferrari and the engine. Okay. Right. Five years later, I'm reading about the Gnostics and they talk about how they have in the, in the, that there's these beings that are called the seers and that they would be able to see the celestial realm and that the teachers would come, the same teachers that we would find in Vedante, and that they would be the transmission of this information and experience. And the teachers are these creation beings, which hold the light of the creator. And, and basically when they come, my other friends have told me from books that they know, that when the creator comes, it comes with a full entourage, that there is the, the, the God avatar, which was the big being. There's the angels, which are like, the security so to speak there are the beings of the witness and then there is the creator itself now i told dr greer okay i never told dr greer this story i go on my second trip and we do uh puja where that is a traditional ceremony from vedante which is actually adopted by hinduism that is to thank the teachers so we're doing this puja out in the desert and this golden thing is in the sky. And I'm like, oh my God, during the puja, I'm like, in my mind, the teacher's here, the teacher's here. I'm like, this is crazy. The next day we're sitting in the circle and one of the people go, hey, what was that golden thing in, in the sky? Now, I never told Dr. Gur about this experience because I only knew him from one trip and it was at the end. He goes, oh, those are the teachers. They brought Sanskrit to our world. And I jumped up like the teachers. Yes, that's what they said. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, I told, uh, I described in a later trip what the teacher had looked like, and Dr. Greer said that those, that's exactly what the two beings looked like in his near death experience. And then my sister had, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to wrap up a bunch of things in one just so you can see how this yeah. is all connected. A few years later, um, so I was a little bit of a troublemaker kid, you know, and, uh, my aunt sees me and I'm at my cousin's engagement party and she asks me, so like, what have you been doing with your life? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to lay this so thick. I'm going to give you all this information. <laughs> I'm going to, you're going to think I'm crazy at the end of this. So for an hour and a half, my hands are flailing. I'm showing her videos. I've taken stories and this and that. And she's just looking at me, just looking. And after an hour and a half, I go, oh, so what do you think? And she goes, finally, And I'm like, finally, she goes, in our family, this is very normal. And your mom is the queen of this. And I'm like, what? Why does everyone seem to know (laughs) that there's this thing going on? And I don't know about it. Um, My sister, who who we kind of fell out of touch for a few years, she had messaged me uh, on the same trip because uh, she saw me at the engagement party and said, look, I really need to talk to you because... I've been seeing a shrink and and my family that I married into thinks I'm crazy. I'm seeing all these beings uh, all over the place in the, in the shadows and this and that. And I said, and I told her the story of the teacher 
And she says, I have to believe you because that's exactly what I saw in my bedroom the day that mom passed away. And I was like, uh, and I was like, I don't know. So apparently this is something that is within my family, I guess, like where we have this. And I spoke to Dr. Greer about it. And he basically said, you have the capacity to experience the celestial realm without freaking out. And so therefore Mm. you are doing that. You have, and so going back to the ayahuasca capacity, going back Mm. to um, being able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, going back Mm. to the no judgment. And there's so much that can go from this story. Like it's insane how many stories I have, but I don't know how much time we have. And I think that that would just leave you with an idea of the potential of what an experience can be when you focus on build building a loving relationship with the universe and trust it and when you allow the universe to be a part of your life not for anything more than your 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 just want your want to just be part of something bigger you know you're you to be part of and it's not to say it's bigger than you because you are the universe and the universe is you. We're all connected. We're all the door in the hallway and, and, and all really touching. We're all really connected. It's just, will we allow ourselves to see that? And will we allow ourselves to stop deciding what we see and just let things be what they are and actually appreciate them for their true beauty and for what they truly are and let them tell us what they are with no judgment? And when we do that, I believe everyone will have that kind of experience, at least. So. Yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> Daniel Jonathan, I can't thank you enough, man. This has just been so incredible. I think we got we got to get you back on the show and just unpack this more. <laughs> yeah, man, this has just been so incredible just to drop in with you and for you to share your experience and your insight and your wisdom. It's just so valuable. Um, is there, is there one thing like you kind of just wrapped it up so beautifully as like, I'm kind of at a loss for words. You know? <laughs> it's like, dude, that, it's just so fantastic. Um, but what I typically ask people is like, if all of your experiences and knowledge and wisdom gained and you distilled them into one message, what would it be? And you basically just said it. So, well, there's, there's one wrap up bow to it is, um, I really want to see everyone do well. And I think if we, I know when we start working together and want to see each other do well and realize that we Mm. all have beautiful talents and skills that were purposely divided amongst ourselves so that we would work as a unit and not compete Mm. with these skills. I think we will all be blown away as to what can happen. And none of us are truly knowing of what that would be until we experience it. So I I hope I can experience that in this vessel in this time. And if not, well, then I'll wait for the next round. Either way, totally. I'm really excited for that moment. So You just described my purpose and my mission in this lifetime is exactly that, is to, awesome. you know, how, how do we develop each, each other like on an individual level and then come to work together in order to transcend these differences in order to start working together and then see what's possible. Exactly. You know, we're, we've just, we've, you know, and so how do we do that? That's the big question. And that's what we'll dive into next time. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Right on. Thank you so much. Pura Vida, brother. Pura Vida, so much gratitude. <laughs> Is there anything you're working on right now that you want people to know about and like um, follow you on Instagram or any of that kind of stuff? Or you um, No, no. I actually don't <laughs> care if you follow me, but there is something I'm working on. Um, it's in CosmicMind.com. That's the next project I've right. been working on. And 
It's to give people the opportunity to share and create information freely with no information and allow themselves to shine. And so everything I just told you, I'm turning into a technology that hopefully and uh, will give people a chance to be the great, their greatest selves um, within the internet and their personal space. So, Woo, yeah, that sounds epic, dude. Cosmicmind.com. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, please be a part awesome. of it. Awesome. I'll put Thank that you. in the show notes and yeah, we'll send people there. Thank you so much, brother. All right, I love brother. you, man. That was Thank awesome. You. We'll Thank talk you. real soon. Take All care. Right. Peace. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.